0: According to a new report out of the UK, the leader of the World Health Organization, quote, privately believes the COVID pandemic started following a leak from a Chinese laboratory. And this is, of course, very strange, because for years now, I have been reliably informed by the always trustworthy establishment media that the lab leak theory was a wild and irresponsible conspiracy theory. President Trump is pushing. A conspiracy theory again. That coronavirus began in a lab in China. That the Five Eyes, these are America's closest allies in the intelligence community, are now saying, that's not the evidence we've seen. The evidence we've seen points us to animal to human transmission. Uh, Someone saying that the virus came from a lab. The publications say it's actually... Uh, something the virus has happened naturally. It came naturally. The CDCs that are based in Hubei and Wuhan, and also they told me they spoke, they hope to go to the Wuhan Institute of Virology. That's a place that's had a lot of focus on it, particularly under the former Trump administration, when many senior
1: officials there pointed towards it without evidence, without facts, to suggest it might have been the source of a lab leak.
2: WHO investigators say they've seen no evidence of a lab leak. World Health Organization, I should point out, Don, they say the lab leak theory, extremely unlikely.
0: Extremely unlikely, just a, another conspiracy theory. Except now, according to this report that cites a top government official, quote, while publicly the World Health Organization maintains that all hypotheses remain on the table about the origins of COVID, the source said Tedros Adhanom Ghebreyesus, the director general of the WHO, had recently confided to a senior European politician that the most likely explanation was a catastrophic accident in a laboratory in Wuhan, where infections first spread in late 2019. Of course, normal people have known that the lab leak theory was likely almost from the very beginning. That's not what's interesting about this story. It's not even all that interesting that the WHO has changed its mind. The most interesting part and the most important part of this new report is that while the head of the WHO, apparently now believes that the lab caused the pandemic. He's trying to keep that information private. The reason is that the WHO, which is the institutional face of science with a capital S over the last two and a half years, is primarily a political organization. Contrary to the fantasies of the libs and the squishes, there are no neutral institutions. Big institutional power means big politics. And the organizations that deny that they have a political bent are usually the most politically dangerous. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment Friday is from Old Schooled. Oh, man, Old Schooled has been on the board a number of times. Who said, the problem isn't that there are people who are getting things like icons and mascots canceled. It's that there aren't enough people willing to speak up against them and push back. That is such a good point. The the iconoclast mobs are always going to be around. They're always going to be trying to tear things down. In healthy societies, you've got people who will say no. Here is why it's good to have a George Washington mascot. Here is why it's good to wave the American flag. Here's why we're going to stand up for our symbols and for our civilization. The problem with our society is you've got the barbarians at the gates. They're frankly past the gates at this point. And then all the people who are supposed to defend the society, we just shrug our shoulders. We say, well, you know, we just we, we all have to be neutral. Well, I, maybe you're right. Maybe it's, Maybe we shouldn't. Maybe we shouldn't, that American flag, maybe it's not very inclusive. Maybe we shouldn't. And they throw their hands up in the air and they don't defend any of of the symbols. They don't offer an affirmative vision. So it's no wonder you've got these barbarians knocking down our country. We've got to reach people. When you want to reach people, you've got to check out Podium. Right now, head on over to Podium.com slash Knowles. From supply chain issues to increased demand on top of everything else that business owners have to manage, the businesses that are thriving right now are the ones that are forward thinking. Podium helps your small business stay ahead of the curve with modern messaging tools that make it easy for your customers to connect with your business. It is really, really easy to fall into a rut as a business owner. Do not let that happen. Check out Podium. From healthcare providers to plumbers, over 100,000 businesses are texting with customers through Podium. Customers love the convenience businesses love the results. You want an example? One car dealer sold a $50,000 truck in just four text messages. A jeweler sold a $5,000 ring and coordinated curbside pickup all through text. Right now, see how Podium can help to grow your business. Watch a demo today at podium.com/noles. That's podium.com/noles. Podium, let's grow. The World Health Organization that very important scientific institution. They have really got their finger on the pulse of what matters. Right now, we've just had this two-year, more than two years of the coronavirus pandemic, and the World Health Organization is hiding what it really believes about the origin of the virus to play politics with China. Okay, great. And now we've got this monkeypox virus that's spreading around, not quite as quickly as COVID, but it's spreading around the world and the World Health Organization, Tedros Ananum gabrizos I could try for 10 years. I will not ever pronounce that man's name correctly. I keep trying. I have a different pronunciation every single time. Th- that man and the World Health Organization that he runs, they're focused on the really important things, namely changing the name of the virus. WHO is also working with partners and experts from around the world on changing the name of monkeypox virus its clades, and the disease it causes. We will make announcements about the new names as soon as possible. Thank you so much, Tedros. I'm so glad the WHO is devoting all of its resources to changing the name of the virus. Not to stopping the virus, not to trying to figure out why this virus is spreading right now, not to trying to investigate and then publicly explain how that first virus started. No, no, we've got to change the name. They did this with COVID. They did this with COVID. They discouraged the term Chinese coronavirus, the Wuhan virus. They discouraged all of that. They then changed all of the names. You couldn't talk about the South African variant or the Indian variant. No, no, no. It was Delta, Ami, Lamit, and that's great. They've, they finally have controlled our language, and that's, that's what's important, isn't it? They don't want to call it monkeypox because they say monkeypox is racist because the virus comes from Africa which you sort of think, well, I didn't make that connection. I, I, when, when I heard monkeypox, I didn't view that as racist because I don't view black people as monkeys. The World Health Organization, it's the liberals who are doing, they're saying, wow, you know this monkeypox virus, it's just people's first thought is going to be that black people are monkeys. So, no, that's your first, that's not my first thought. What's wrong with you people? So they say, that's really important. And we've got to reduce stigma. They say, quote, in the context of the current global outbreak, continued reference to and nomenclature of this virus being African is not only inaccurate, but is also discriminatory and stigmatizing. So, it's not inaccurate. It's an, it's a primarily African virus. The virus was first discovered in Zaire in 1970. That's where most of the breakouts have been throughout the history of monkeypox. The the only other place where you had big outbreaks was West Africa. So yes, it is African in origin. I don't think there's anything discriminatory about referring to the virus by the name that it's had for 50 years. And And then there's this question of stigma. Our culture wants to get rid of stigma. Stigmas are really bad. That we want to get rid of shame. We want to get rid of stigma. We want to get rid of anything that's particular. But stigma can be an important thing. The stigma that most people are talking about with with monkeypox is that it's primarily infecting gay guys. It started at a gay fetish orgy in in Belgium, and then at another at a gay bathhouse in Spain. That's where the big outbreaks have been. That's what's driving the global spread of monkeypox. But the World Health Organization and the rest of the liberal establishment doesn't want to point out that the virus is primarily a gay thing because they say that's homophobic. And for goodness sakes, during Pride Month, we can't mention something like that. But if you want to save gay people, shouldn't you mention that? Don't you? Far from it being homophobic, don't you think it's actually quite um, homophilic? To, <laughs> don't you think it's quite pro-gay people living to let them know that this is primarily a gay thing and they should cut out the bathhouses if they want to not catch the monkeypox virus. In the United Kingdom, 99% of monkeypox cases are among gay guys. 99% of the people who have monkeypox in the UK are gay guys. And 1%, maybe they're being honest, maybe they're not. I'm not sure. But the overwhelming, overwhelming, almost 100% of people who have it or gay guys. So if you want to stop the spread of the virus and you want to protect people from catching it and potentially dying, shouldn't you say, hey, gay guys, be on high alert. Stop doing that stuff that's going to have you catch monkeypox. Don't go to an orgy and do that thing you shouldn't be doing with 100 guys at, at night if you, if you don't want to catch monkeypox. I've had gay friends of mine say that, that if, if you really wanted to protect the gay community, you would, you would rename monkeypox gay orgypox. And then, and then, because it would it would increase stigma, and it would increase stigma specifically around orgies in Belgium and bathhouses in Spain. And that would be a good thing. It would be a good thing on lots and lots of levels. But the WHO can't do that because it's very politically incorrect to suggest that certain viruses will spread more rapidly, much more, almost infinitely more rapidly among the gay community. And so they put all their focus on political correctness and try to rename the virus and distract from certain facts that are crucial in trying to stop the spread. That is because it's political. So knowing that it is political, we shouldn't pretend that it's this totally neutral scientific institution. It's not. It's bankrolled in large part by China. It's politically allied to China, and so they cover up for China a lot of the time. And it's part of a broader apparatus of liberal transnational institutions that push all the weird pathologies of liberalism, like wokeism and political correctness and all the rest of it. Normal people are pushing back on this kind of thing. You want to talk about orgies. I don't really want to talk about orgies, but parents are pushing back on this in schools and libraries. That parents' movement that you've seen at school boards, that you've seen at libraries, pushing back on drag queen story hour, on critical race theory, on the weird gender ideology in elementary schools, that isn't just conservative Republicans. That isn't just right wingers. That is people in the middle. That is centrists. That is liberals. That is center left too. And they're showing up. There was an incredible uh, meeting at the Dixon, Illinois Library Board. Dixon, I think that's where Ronald Reagan is from, actually. And they show up to the library board. The library wants to have a bunch of porn for kids in the library. And the parents show up and they say, hey, here is what's going on. And we don't want this. Now, when you want really good stuff that your kids can watch, that you can watch, that is wholesome and educational and entertaining and supports what you believe in, you got to join The Daily Wire become a Daily Wire member today. Use promo code Knowles, K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Enjoy the exclusive benefits of being a member. You'll get 25% off with code Knowles. It's really important that you do this. The Daily Wire is producing so much content right now. The Daily Wire is really making a run for, uh, for serious cultural effect and it costs a lot of money. We haven't taken capital yet. We haven't taken capital because very often when you are raising money and you take money so you can scale your business, it comes with all this woke stuff that, that where they force you to sell out your message or start pushing their crazy transgender, racial, whatever stuff. And so the Daily Wire hasn't done this. You are our capital. You are the way that we can continue to make this content. So we really need you to join. That is dailywire.com slash subscribe. Code Knowles, get 25% off. Parents in Dixon, Illinois, are pushing back on the weird stuff at their libraries.
1: Books. This one, oral sex. This one, oral sex. Doesn't belong in our library. Not accessible to
2: children. Completely inappropriate. Not okay.
0: Not okay. Completely inappropriate. Keep this stuff out of the library. One, I love that these parents are doing it. Two, I love that people are videotaping it so the rest of us can see it because I imagine that library board doesn't want this kind of video getting out. Three, please send me your tips. I think it's very important on this show that we not only, you know we comment on the crazy TikTok videos, we comment on the national news story, but it's very important to be able to bring this kind of information out there. Courage is contagious. When one community that feels bogged down by wokeism sees another small town, another local community pushing back against it, it can really spread. It can create a movement. And so send me your tips. Send me your videos. You can do it through my personal website, michaeljnoles.com. You can send it to my Daily Wire email. I don't care. You can send it via Carrier Pigeon. But send me your tips from your local community. I, I, I I think we need to get a little bit more activist, especially as the midterm elections are rolling around. The parents are coming up there. They're not exactly calling for book burnings. Worth pointing out, by the way, that some of the greatest people in history have supported book burnings. I know this is an unpopular view in some corners of the right, but it's true. Plato supported book burnings. The apostles supported book burnings. It's in the New Testament, for goodness sakes. Martin Luther. Support. I'm not. A, you know, I'm Catholic. I'm not a huge Martin Luther fan, but Martin Luther supported book burnings. There have been. A lot of, but anyway, I'm not. They're not calling for book burnings. They're just saying. Look, you can have whatever books you want in the library, even radical content, even content I don't agree with, but not pornography, not obscenity. There has never been a protection for that ever in our whole civilization. Certainly not in this country. And so, no, where kids are going to be accessing this, we don't want that stuff. This is this is why you don't go into a library and say, back in the 1970s or 80s, "Hey, uh, I'd like to check out 10 Playboys today," and they say, "Well, sir, we don't have Playboys." They say, "This is censorship." This is, this is a book burning. This is, no, it's not. You just can't, you're, you're not entitled to smut in the public library. And if the taxpayers don't want to pay for smut, they shouldn't have to. We have the right to community standards. We have the right to obscenity laws. We have to remember that schools, libraries, these are political organizations. Conservatives don't they don't notice that all the time because we think, well, let's get the politics out of schools. Let's get the politics out of entertainment. Let's, but pol- political just means public. That's all it means. The, the words are synonymous. Things that pertain to our public life together. And so a library, of course, that's political. It's funded by the taxpayers. It's pushing certain messages. When the library is promoting drag queen story hour, that is the political community endorsing perversion and weirdness and confusion and a sexual ideology. When the schools are promoting this stuff, that is political. The point of public schooling is to create citizens. There is almost nothing more political in America than public education. So, of course, this is going to be political. The left knows that, so they wield the politics to their own ends. And the right, for a long time, has just said, well, let's just be neutral. Okay, let's kick the Bible out of schools. Okay, let's allow the drag queen reading hour. No, of course not. Then you're just giving your whole politics to the left. Do not do that sort of thing. On the topic of sex and politics, FIFA, the soccer organization, has just made a a major ruling, or I'm sorry, is proposing a major new rule on sex and politics. That would be dropping the testosterone requirements for men who want to compete against women. So there are men who who identify as women, they play in the girls' league, and as of now, there are certain requirements that they not have testosterone above a certain threshold. And FIFA is considering dropping this. Uh, the, the current eligibility standard for men who identify as women is less than five nanomoles per liter after at least 12 months. But now they'll say, no, look, look, uh, that, that man is a woman, no matter how much testosterone she has pumping through her veins and through her male anatomy, and through her just heaving, hulking muscles, and through her giant manly masculine frame. She truly is a woman, no matter how much she is a man. Of course, of course this had to happen. Mark my words, I'm making a Olstradamus prediction right now. If the transgender ideology is going to advance, if it's not rejected, they're going to have to get rid of the testosterone limits. They have to, because Either these people, the men, these men, really are women or they're not. Either, either they're women or they're not. They can't, they, there is no way to maintain any even semblance of coherence to, for transgenderism if they say that the, the demarcator of whether a man is a woman is the amount of testosterone he has. They can't. Because the premise of transgenderism is my body has nothing to do with who I really am. The premise of transgenderism is I'm a woman trapped in a man's body. So you can't have a body requirement to to advance the transgender agenda. You have to get the body out of it completely. Either they're men or they're women. And we have to decide. Even FIFA is a political organization. Sports leagues are political. Sports, athletics, has had... A very close connection to patriotism, to the business of the state, going all the way back to ancient Greece, going all the way back to the Olympic Games, and in every civilization and society since then. That's always been the case. This is why it was such a big deal when Colin Kaepernick came out and protested the American flag at the NFL. Why do we wave the American flag at the NFL? Why do we have the Star Spangled Banner? Why do we have the Pledge of Allegiance at some sports games? because sports always has something to do with the political order. And so Colin Kaepernick, pretty pretty wisely, he's not a very wise man, but he he had a clever move here. He said, I'm going to subvert that. So the issue is not that we're injecting politics into sports, as some, some people held it to be. The issue is we are using sports to subvert the traditional political order that sports plays a role in. And here you've got, this this sports league making a political decision. Men can be women. That's what they're saying. And that's increasingly what sports leagues have said. We we have to decide the issue one way or the other. We the people. You know how I want to decide it. I think transgenderism is insane. I don't think it's a real category of being. I think people who consider themselves to be transgender should be given psychiatric help and philosophical help, and spiritual help, and all sorts of help, but they should not be indulged. And I think that the people who promote this stuff should probably be imprisoned. That's that's how I want to decide it. Maybe you want to decide it differently. Maybe you think transgenderism is totally real, and we need to be really tolerant, and men should be able to go in the women's bathrooms, and men should be able to play on the women's soccer team. I certainly don't care about women's soccer. I couldn't possibly care any less <laughs> about anything than women's soccer. I do care about truth. I do care about reality. But I'm just observing, even outside of my own political preferences, I'm observing the fact that we have to decide the question publicly, politically, for everyone. There's only going to be one standard that we're all living under here. And you're going to see it in the sports teams, and at work, and at school, and in our government, and everywhere else in society. It's not enough to say, well, you do you, and I'll do me. You can't do that on on basic questions about how we're gonna live. It'd be like saying that we can't have a, a, a national language. For right now, we still have a national language in America. The language is English. That's what our signs are printed in. That's what government forms are printed in. The Libs kind of want to do that and have lots of different languages. But still, the language of America is English. We don't each have the right to speak our own language. If we did that, if all of us spoke our own language, we wouldn't communicate society would break down we'd just walk up and say gibberigobblegoo shamalama dam bam bam ding dong watermelon and you'd say huh what and then some other person would come out and speak a different language and there would be no communication you have to have some shared experience <laughs> you have to you have to have some things in common if you want to have a political community and one of those things you've got to have in common is <laughs> what is a man <laughs> what is a woman? This is why the marriage question had to be decided politically. You couldn't have everyone just decide, well, it's my own personal preference of what marriage is. No, you have, to, you have to have that kind of common language. And the libs know it, which is why they're pushing for their radical wrong vision on these questions. And the conservatives have thrown their hands up in the air. I, I heard this during, during the marriage debate. They said, well, look, I'm a libertarian on this question. Well, look, I'm agnostic on this question. Well, look, I just want to get the government out of it. Oh, okay. So you just you're just going to concede it to the libs. That's all that means. He says, Look, I just don't want to get political here. I, oh, okay. Well, the other guy wants to get political, and the other guy who who is pushing a campaign that totally opposes what you believe in, then he's going to win <laughs> because the guy who's willing to wield political power, who's going to actually engage in political questions, he's going to be the one to succeed. That's why it's so important to lean in here to the culture and to these political decisions. That's what The Daily Wire is doing right now. We are not only commenting on the culture, we are going and creating it too. And that is nowhere clearer than in The Daily Wire's newest movie, the movie that uncanceled Gina Carano, Terror on the Prairie. You want to watch that movie? Head on over right now, dailywire.com slash subscribe. Join us today. That code is Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, dailywire.com slash subscribe. We'll be right back with a lot more. Either transgenderism is real or it is not real. That's why they've got to push it on kids. They have to push it on kids. Some conservatives, some squishes, they want to say, well, look, I'm fine with transgenderism, but just not for the kids. It's not, that doesn't make any sense. If transgenderism is real and you can really be a man trapped in a woman's body, then for sure we should let the kids who have that problem transition. If, if some kid is really born and he's a, a woman trapped in a man's body and he's just this, this woman trying desperately to get out, then of course we should. If it is the case that the medical interventions and the chopping and the puberty blockers and the hormone replacement really does allow the true woman inside of the little boy to come out and flourish, then of course we should do that. We should do it as soon as possible. But that's not the case it's not a real thing. It's a fake thing. It's a delusion. It's a fantasy and a psychological problem that should be treated, not indulged. But if it's a fake thing, then we just shouldn't indulge it. If, if the, the experience of, of feeling like a woman trapped in a man's body is, is just pathological, if it's just, a, if it's just a mental illness, then we should treat the mental illness, not chop off functioning body parts. You, you have to decide it based on reality, based on truth. The left is making a truth claim. They're saying transgenderism is real. The conservatives up until this point have made a preference claim. They've said, well, look, I don't, I don't want to adhere to that ideology, but I don't want to stop you from, and I have no right to force my views on you. And if you want to do that, that's just fine. I throw my hands up in the air. I don't want to get political. I don't, come on, I just want to live and let live. Oh, okay. So you're just conceding the issue to the libs and they're going to push it on kids. They have to push it on, on libs, or on the kids rather. The libs have to push it on the kids. It's confusing to say. They have to because you're, you are tacitly granting their premise and the logical conclusion of their premise that transgenderism is real is that you should allow the kids to transition. And that's what they're doing. A major transgender health organization has, uh, this is the world- World Professional Association for Transgender Health says it's going to change its advice on when teenagers should be able to get treatment, also known as poison and mutilation, uh, because it is unethical and harmful to withhold early treatment. So the updated advice is saying that kids should be put on cross-sex hormones starting at 14, and that kids should have mutilation, surgery where they chop off their genitals starting at 15. This is sickening stuff. I actually feel nauseated reading this information. By the way, the puberty blockers start way earlier. The puberty blockers could start at 8. And by the age of 17, you should get full, you should be able to have full on genital mutilation. Not just the cosmetic stuff but or semi-cosmetic stuff, not just the top surgery as it's called where you lop off perfectly healthy breasts, but even the downstairs stuff too. Of course, they're going to get away with this because the conservatives totally seeded the ground because we're not, we're not even engaging in the debate. We're saying, well, I'm agnostic on whether it's true or false. Even if I think transgenderism is false, I don't want to push my political views on you. And three, this isn't a place for politics. This, is, this should just be decided by individuals. And oh, okay, well, then, then the other guys are going to make the, the truth claims. And the other guys are going to force their views on everybody else, including poor little kids. And the other eyes are going to order the culture and the politics. That's what's going to happen. And by the way, the, the conservatives and the kind of squishy people who have been saying the whole time, well, just let people make their own decisions. They're now leaving these poor kids who by definition can't make their own decisions. They're below the age of consent. They're leaving them to the predations of these psychos and these perverts and to be charitable about it. These confused people who have fallen under the thrall of transgender ideology, which is completely absurd and incoherent. Is that good? Is there anything good or compassionate about allowing that to happen? I don't think so. So, what's the solution? It's a very simple solution. We just say no. We say no. We've let this go way too far. Transgenderism is absurd. People who think that they're transgender should be placed in asylums or at least in counseling. And the people who promote this stuff, the doctors and the teachers and the media people and the politicians, we should pass laws against that of grooming little kids for this nonsense. And we should put the people who break them in jail. And that's that. And we're deciding that. It's not real anymore. We're going to be charitable and compassionate about the issue, but it's not charitable and compassionate to mutilate little kids' bodies and sterilize them when they're 14 years old. And frankly, starting even even earlier at eight years old. There's no, whatever train of thought has led you to the place where you're sterilizing little kids. You've gone down the wrong path. Your premises are wrong. We need to try something different. If transgenderism is real, which it's not, but if it's real, then this article that I just read in Time Magazine is totally normal. If transgenderism is not real, and it isn't, it is not real using lots of double negatives here. Uh, Then this article in Time Magazine is the creepiest thing I've ever read. It's called The Pain and Pride of a Generation Changing How It Sees Gender. The cover photo, I'm going to block out the the poor kid's face. The cover photo is Freedom, a two-spirit 13-year-old posing for a portrait for Time Magazine. Time Magazine just spent a year going around the country taking photographs of sexually confused little kids. This is how they describe it. They say that they're they're taking photos of gender expansive kids. Where is Chris Hansen when you need him? I I wish Time Magazine had called my house, said, hey, do you have any gender expansive kids living with you? Yeah. No. What's the age limit? Oh, I don't know, 13, maybe even younger. Yeah, we want to talk to them about their sexual desires and identities. Say, uh, sure, come on over at five o'clock. I'd have Chris Hansen waiting in my kitchen. Hi, uh, Time Magazine. Yeah, why don't you take a seat right over here? Oh, no, I wasn't going to do nothing. No, uh, no, why don't you, listen, Time Magazine, why don't you take a seat right over here? What were you planning on doing? You want to take pictures of little kids with sexual confusion? It's super duper creepy. We, our whole society would have known this five years ago. And exploitative and wrong and child abuse. Now we celebrate it. Why? We celebrate it because we're letting the libs run the politics and the conservatives are just backing off. I bet you, I, I guarantee you the majority of Americans don't think that we should be taking pictures of sexually confused little kids. I guarantee you the majority of Americans don't think that 13 year old sh- boys should be dressing up like girls and putting stilettos on and stuff. I, I, I promise you they don't think that. So why are we letting it happen? It's not because the liberals have been, and the progressives, and the leftists, and whatever term you want to use, have been so incredibly genius, and they're just, they're just unstoppable. It's mostly because the conservatives surrendered and gave up. Even the drag queens get this. Even, there is a great viral video going around of a drag queen, an actual performing drag queen, saying, guys, wh- why the hell are you all being so supportive of the drag queens?
2: What in the hell has a drag queen ever done? to make you have so much respect for them and admire them so much, other than put on makeup and, and jump on the floor and writhe around and do sexual things on stage. I have absolutely no idea why you would want that to influence your child. Would you want a stripper or a porn star to influence your child? It, it makes no sense at all. A drag queen performs in a nightclub for adults. There is a lot of filth that goes on, a lot of sexual stuff that goes on. And backstage, there's a lot of nudity, sex, and drugs. Okay? And honestly, you're not doing the gay community any favors. In fact, you're hurting us, okay? We have already had a reputation of being pedophiles and being perverts and deviants. We don't need you to bring your children around. So you keep your kids at home or take them to Disneyland or take them to Chuck E. Cheese. Preach! Preach, drag queen! You're telling it like it
0: is! I love that line. Take them to Chuck E. Cheese. What's wrong with you people? What what has a drag queen ever done to make you have so much respect for us you think, oh, right. It was amazing how quickly the the libs did this. They blurred all the lines. They said, gay guys, and we need to tolerate gay guys. And by tolerating gay guys, we need to embrace transgenderism for some reason. I don't really quite know how that necessarily follows. And and then if, if, we're, if we're gonna embrace transgenderism, we need to support drag shows. There's even a difference between transgenderism and a drag show. Transgenderism is when a confused man thinks that he's a woman. A drag show is when a, a deviant man knows that he's not a woman, but thinks it'll be kind of funny to dress up like one and put on a, a bawdy sexual performance. Those are totally different things. And then this drag queen, he says, what? We're basically strippers. Why are you? why are you taking your kids to the stripper shows? What have we done? We haven't done it all. The defining feature of a drag queen is putting on sex shows, sexual shows in nightclubs for adults. The difference between a drag queen and a stripper, well, other than the anatomical differences, is that a stripper puts on a sexual show and a drag queen puts on a funny sexual show. A drag show is just basically a stripper burlesque show with more jokes and humor, right? And you have the drag queen, and the drag queens are really outrageous. And that's why when they do the parades up and down New York, they are telling jokes and doing all sorts of comedy. But it's, that's it. It's just kind of a funny, funnier sex show. You wouldn't take your kid to a strip club. Why would you take your kid to a, and you wouldn't take your kid even to a late night raunchy comedy show. Why would you take your kid to both of them at the same time? With a lot of sexual confusion added on in addition. because we've, we, It's because we have lost our minds on indulgence. I'm not surprised that the libs are pushing this stuff. The libs have always had an interest in sexualizing, well, everybody, and especially kids. They've been writing about this for 100 years. Wilhelm Reich, Going back to the the early twentieth century, this leftist intellectual said that the problem, the, all of the problems in the world—war, disease, everything in between—they're caused by a lack of orgasms. Not joking. And he said that he had invented an orgone accumulator to to collect the the essence of of life and the essence of the world—the orgones floating around. This was mocked in the pop culture as an orgasmatron, and lots of intellectuals on the left had it. Norman Mailer had it. J.D. Salinger had it. Bernie Bernie Sanders wrote about this kind of stuff and how we need to sexualize kids. He wrote about it in the 1960s in essays in the Vermont Freeman. You can still read them. They've been, I get why the libs are pushing this stuff. It's part of their, their campaign to upend society. In the words of Marx, ruthlessly criticize everything that exists. My only issue here is why I'm being so harsh on the conservatives here is what have you been doing? They've been telling you what they want to do for 50 to 100 years now. They've been doing it successfully. And then what do you do? You say, well, you know, it's not my place. If someone wants to put on a drag show for children, that's a blessing of liberty. And that's, it's not my place to ever have a point of view about that. What? The libs don't think that. The conservatives didn't think that until five minutes ago. I don't, I'm not even sure you really think that. I just think you've just been deluded or you're so beaten down by the leftist advances in the culture. That you don't don't have the chutzpah to go out and fight. Come on, push back and fight, guys. You know, the other aspect of the drag queens that's important here is the transgender person wants to pretend that he's really the woman. It's a a, a realistic performance of a woman. The the essence of a drag show is that it's a very unrealistic performance. This difference between realism and unrealism is at the heart of it. There was a a TikTok that went viral the other day of some confused woman describing not just her transgenderism, but her neo-pronouns and specifically why she uses them.
1: So neo-pronouns are any set of pronouns that aren't officially recognized in the language that you use. Someone might use neo-pronouns because uh, officially recognized pronouns might give them dysphoria or using neos could give someone gender euphoria. I use them because they give me euphoria um, because I really enjoy confusing people with my gender identity, which sounds kind of weird, but it gives me euphoria, so whatever. I really like using they, them, and feyfear in conversation, like when I'm talking, and I really like using bun bun self, uh, like if I'm texting someone or I guess just on the internet, Um, that's that's the way I like using them. So an example of Faye fair pronouns could be, I really like fair jacket today. It's fair favorite color. Faye like the color purple. And an example of Bun Bun self pronouns could be, Bun showed up on my For You page today. Bun really likes using neo pronouns.
0: Bun really gets a kick out of this. And bun would prefer if you would refer to bun by bun self's preferred Bun buns and pronouns. That's true. It does not give me euphoria. It gives me bemusement, but it doesn't give me euphoria. Euphoria is the key word there. I'm so glad. This gal gets it. This gal, I don't think she intended to, to point this out. But she says the opposite of dysphoria is euphoria in the transgender ideology. Dysphoria means this unrealistic view of your own body that is a negative view of your own body. But euphoria, as it is used in modern life, is an unrealistic feeling of happiness. Euphoria is what you get when you shoot up heroin. That's the It's the feeling that you get. You're not, you're not really happy. You're not really thriving or flourishing, but it's the feeling that you get. And this, this gal seems to suggest that those are the only two ways to live. In this dysphoria or this euphoria, how about you live in real life? How about real life with real happiness grounded on real things? That is entirely missing from the conversation. The extreme extreme unrealism of what the left is pushing, especially when we're talking about the sex stuff, is a big problem. And I I feel for this girl. This girl who says, you know, refer to me as bun bun self and fairy pronouns and whatever, all these pronouns that are even beyond the 57 usual ones that we get these days. Uh, This girl is It has been raised at a time of such surreality, where life is not lived primarily in the real world, but is lived in the virtual world. It's increasingly going to be lived in the metaverse. It's lived on social media. It's lived with a focus only on oneself. It's lived with a focus on how I feel, not with a a, a care to other people's pain or objective reality, but only a a care for one's own pleasure, A, a, a culture of narcissism. And so it's no surprise that she says, this gives me euphoria. What a weird thing to say. She doesn't say this makes me happy or this is a good thing to do. She says it gives me euphoria. It's like when people people describe themselves as a bag of chemicals. They say, gosh, I got such an adrenaline rush. They don't say, boy, I was excited. Wow, that thrilled me. No, they say, I got an adrenaline rush because you're just thinking of yourself as a big bag of chemicals that just reacts to different stimuli. And when the stimuli poke you, and, and make you feel good on the inside, then you want more of that. That gives you euphoria. And when they make you feel bad, you want less of that with no care to objective reality or to discipline or to some temporary pain that might strengthen someone over time. Something tells me that these people who are just focused entirely on themselves and their own low base pleasures, something tells me they don't have a great relationship with their parents just, I'm not saying it's 100% of the time, but usually when you see people dancing around talking about bun-bun self and all, you know, all sorts of mutilations on them and they're screaming and they're yelling and they're protesting outside of the Supreme Court Justice's houses, you, you look at that and you say, huh, something tells me you don't have a great relationship with dad. It's a little harsh to say, but 999 times out of 1,000, that is going to be the case. So this is why this is one. This is a problem that you've got to solve first, before we figure out the debt and the deficit, before we figure out immigration, before we figure out the, the tax rates and the and the way that we can kind of fix some of the institutions and the energy policy. And before you can figure out higher level political issues, if you've got a country where your family has completely broken down. You're not going to solve any of those political problems because the family is the basic political institution. Daily Wire just did an analysis of new census data. According to this analysis, there are lots of parts of this country where most people do not grow up with two parents. Puerto Rico, just kind of America, kind of of, sort of part of America. Only 38% of Puerto Rican children live with two parents. Washington, D.C., only 48% of D.C. residents, children, live with two parents. Mississippi, Louisiana, New Mexico, it's a little higher. It's above the 50% threshold, but not much. 55%, 57% according to census data. You you can't have a flourishing country that way. That is going to create, just think about it. Just think about something that happened in your childhood, whether you grew up with two parents or one parent or no parents or however you grew up. Think about one thing that happened. Even if you grew up in the greatest household ever, leave it to Beaver, Father Knows Best, Donna Reed household. Did something happen in your childhood that kind of messed you up a little bit? Did, I don't know, daddy and mommy fought a little bit too much, or I don't know, daddy traveled too much, or there was some there was some big fight that broke out, or even in your extended family, Aunt So-and-so didn't talk to Uncle. What's his face? And t- Did something happen when you were a kid? Daddy yelled at you one time? Okay. Think about that, that relatively minor experience of childhood trauma. And now have it be that your parents just don't care about you and they don't care about you enough to try to, to uh, focus on your upbringing and daddy disappears for, for huge stretches of time, if he's there at all. And, or maybe mommy doesn't really care about, maybe, maybe mommy just leaves daddy And, you know, she puts the kids kind of second or third if she's thinking about them at all. And, you know, look, they're just going to focus on them. They're going to live their best life, okay? And and frankly, it'll be better for the kids if mommy and daddy are are happy, quote, unquote, pursuing their own selfish desires. You you can't, if if one incident at the dinner table is going to kind of mess you up as a kid, no matter how nice your upbringing was, imagine you're living in a society where most kids don't live with both of their parents. Maybe they get to maybe they get to see both their parents sometime. I don't maybe. Think about how much that's going to mess up all of those kids. Think about how much that's going to mess up society. <laughs> you know, it's not not every political issue comes down to some textbook explanation when, and some formal academic debate. And frankly, more of, of what shapes our politics is that. Ronald Reagan said politics begins around the dinner table. What happens when there's no dinner table? What happens when mommy and daddy just aren't home and, it, and you're sitting at home on a snack tray alone watching TV? Well, then that dinner table, that's going to be your politics. And especially when the TV that's, that's being pumped into you or the streaming now is promoting radical woke propaganda, especially when you're, the only solid relationship that the kids have is going to be with their teacher in a public school. There are great public school teachers, but there's a lot of crap that goes on in the public schools too or their only relationship is with some movie star on TV, or their only relationship is some parasocial relationship on social media pushing crazy woke stuff. That's a major, major political problem. It's not enough to say, you do you, figure it out. Well, I'm just going to focus on, no, we, we need to <laughs> structure our society in such a way that it's better for those kids, for society as a whole. If we don't do that, We're just conceding the culture to the radicals. We've done that for 50 years. It's led us to this madness. Maybe it's time to try a new strategy. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, Today on The Matt Walsh Show, conservatives celebrate as the Women's Swimming Federation officially disqualifies men like Leah Thomas from competition in the future. Does this mark a return to sanity in our culture? Uh, Actually, no, it doesn't, and I'll explain why. Also, the new woke Toy Story film bombs at the box office, and the media is just perplexed by this. The governor of New York not so subtly encourages more violence against pro-lifers in the lead up to the Roe decision. A court declares that elephants are not people. Why was that necessary to establish? And a CNN comedian records a Father's Day PSA pushing abortion. What does that have to do with Father's Day? We'll find out about that and much more today on The Matt Wall Show.